0: Done.
1: When spring arrives, you know what comes with it. Allergies, stuffy nose, cough, sore throat. So there's no better time to assess whether or not you're getting everything you need from your pharmacy. And the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's is a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. And it provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at ChaneysPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy.
2: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast
3: with Ben Garrett.
1: This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, do not matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and of 247 sports Today's guest on Talk of Champions, former Ole linebacker slash defensive lineman, C.J. Johnson, good friend of the program. Because don't look now, Ole Miss spring football practices, only a couple of weeks away. There is a development or two as far as how Lane Kiffin's going to handle spring football practices.
2: So CJ coming up in just a little bit. But first, Colin, what's up, man? Not much, not much. Uh, baseball team's rolling. They're fun to watch right now. Yeah, they're good. Extremely good. Were you able to see a replay when uh, Mike got all over Shatney?
1: It was interesting that he got so mad. But that's Mike. <laughs> he has a very particular and strict standard
2: about everything. He didn't get to the bag on time on a steal.
1: I mean, kid, you're going to learn pretty quickly. There are a few (laughs) things that Mike Bianco has very little tolerance for. And number one on top of that list is the idea or perception, at least in his brain, that you're not doing the basics. And you're not going full 100% with the basics every time out. Covering a bag? Come on. Now, I don't know if Chetney wasn't paying attention or wasn't doing his job so much as maybe he was just late to the bag. But if Mike Bianco thinks for one second, you're in trouble.
2: And you probably better not make his catcher look bad either. That's probably a bad idea. This is a staff of
1: three catchers. (laughs) Four, isn't it? It Wasn't McMillan one? I can't remember. (laughs) I just know that Clement and Laugh and Bianco, all former catchers,
2: they're going to side with catchers. No, they're hard as hell on them. But you make one of them look bad, Godspeed. Yeah, of course they're hard on them.
1: But they're always going to get their backs. They can be hard on them. You can't. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, Mike's protective of uh, of Dunhurst, as, as we've been able to see.
1: He's the chosen one. He's Anakin. <laughs> Anakin. <laughs> He's got to make sure he stays on the right path. And you're not helping him if you're late to the bag. We're off to a really weird start, but here we go. This is Talk of Champions. Ole Miss takes on Princeton this weekend. Full disclosure, I know nothing about them.
2: Yeah, it makes two of us. I know that uh, Penn State murdered them twice. Or four times, excuse me. So that's about all we know. They're going to throw about 84-mile-an-hour fastballs. Ole Miss shouldn't consider losing one of these games. It'd be really neat if Austin Miller or Taylor Broadway didn't have to pitch either.
1: Yep, that uh, that would be ideal. Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you briefly about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmiss.com. Make a difference, make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500 also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at MS on all platforms. Sola in Oxford on the Oxford Square. What did you make of Mike Bianco switching up the lineup on Tuesday?
2: Uh, I think it was just Mike being Mike, and he got some ideas, and then he wrote his ideas out on the lineup card, and hopefully somebody will talk some sense into him because that lineup was an abomination.
1: Oh, boy. How do you really feel? I mean-
2: I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, you, you, you put Anthony's video three-hole, like, for what? Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, are we, are we just trying to prove a point? I mean, come on. Now, to Servidio's credit, he kept hitting. Yeah, it ain't Ant's fault. But, you know, Ant's a really good hitter. You can put him in the nine-hole, the six-hole, the one-hole, whatever. But, like, what are we doing putting him in the three-hole? I, I, I just, I think that was more about Mike being Mike and having some ideas that he wanted to, to play out. If you wanted to sit Cale Baker and you wanted to get Ben Van
1: Cleve in, but also Kevin Graham in, and Hayden Leatherwood, that's fine. Don't mix up your top three. Leafs are video at one, Chatney at two, Keenan at three. Any one of those guys, Van Cleve, Kevin Graham, or Hayden Leatherwood, could have batted cleanup for you. But Mike has it in his brain. Okay, my cleanup hitter is out of the lineup. What am I going to do? Mass changes isn't the thing to do. I mean, Anthony video. He continued to hit. It was a little bit dangerous, though, to move him down to three, a role he's never served in his entire baseball career when he's going so well at leadoff. Been one
2: of the best hitters yeah. in college baseball. It is what it is. I've seen Mike. Uh, when Olenek was going well in 2018, Mike moved him to the three-hole for a week and he stopped hitting, and he he decided that moving him back to the two-hole was going to make, make him start hitting again. I don't know. Mike Mike has some, some weird ideas. I think he's done a phenomenal job this year. Me too. Um, let me be clear on that, but not one of the, the better performances, I would say, and then that's okay. I mean, I don't think Anthony's video is going to be in the three-hole when LSU rolls in here in in a, in a week and a half.
1: Just leave him leading off. Do whatever you want to after him. I don't mind Tyler Keenan hitting cleanup. I really don't. Whatever you do, leave Anthony Servideo betting leadoff. He's just the only guy that needs to do that. The only one. Yeah. I want to give him as many I, at-bats as possible.
2: I'm a proponent of your best hitters should be in the one, two, and four spots. So I'm fine with Keenan at, at four. I don't really know who I would put it to right now because I, I like Ann at leadoff. I don't really know what I would do there. But, yeah, it just, I don't know. Felt like somebody got to thinking too much.
1: Did you see anything from Hayden Leatherwood, Kevin Graham, that leads you to believe one, two, or all three of those guys need to be in the lineup every single day. Because I think that's well, what it was most about for Mike. It's getting those guys well, an extended run in those roles.
2: Let me ask you this before I answer that question. If Van Cleve had a glove, what kind of glove would he have? First base. First base? He cannot be that much worse than Kale Baker at first base, can he?
1: I wouldn't think so, but he's not playing yeah. there. And they're willing to yeah. put Kevin Graham back there. And I was told in the preseason they didn't want him to play first base even for one game, and yet there he was on Tuesday.
2: Yeah, he was there. You know, So I, I don't know. I think Van Cleve deserves to be in the lineup. I think Leatherwood deserves to be in the lineup. I don't know what uh, Leatherwood looks like against left-handed pitching. I would need to know that before I, I say he should be in there every single day. Uh, but he should be in there every single day against right-handed pitching. This is always my thing on Leatherwood. He signed with Vanderbilt for a reason. I mean, Tim Corbin offered the dude a scholarship for a reason. You don't just get those by accident. I believe in that kid. He should be in there, especially against right-handed pitching every single day. And Kevin Graham is what it is. I mean, he hit 10 home runs last year uh, for the DH spot. I don't really see much reason he shouldn't be in the lineup every day against right-handed pitching.
1: Kell Baker was one of three players, including Keenan and Servidio, who started every single game to start the year. It may just be giving him a day off, hadn't been hitting it all that much, especially after the weekend series. But still, when you look at the lineup, if you view those guys strictly as platoon guys, well, you got two lefties and two righties. I don't believe in that, but that's Mike's
2: philosophy. He's always played that. Yeah, way. sure. And, it, and it's extremely small sample size, but Baker's been absolutely horrible against lefties and just kicked righties in the teeth all, all year. So um, I don't know if it's, it's worth digesting at this point with the small sample size it is, but I did think that was kind of interesting. I think Baker starts all three games this weekend. I think he has a big weekend because they're going to throw 84-mile-an-hour fastballs at him, uh, which will give the kid some confidence going into LSU, which is, is probably something you want.
1: My deal is just ride the hot hand. If you're worried about cleanup or protection for Keenan or those middle-of-the-order boppers that you want there, don't mess with Servidio. Don't mess with him. <laughs> Leave him at leadoff. Don't touch him. But after that, Just mix and match with the guy you got the best feeling about, or maybe the guy who's on a hot streak. Like if Hayden Leatherwood has a nice two, three game stretch, put him at clean up. It's okay. I I don't like the whole mass experimenting with a lineup on any given day, even if it's just Memphis. And Memphis wasn't very good, but Memphis has been before a thorn in the side of Ole Miss. Midweek games, you look at them on paper and you don't get excited about them, but you know this as well as anybody. That's where seasons can be won or lost. Seeding can be won or lost in the midweek.
2: Oh, absolutely! Um, you lose to a bad Memphis team that's got a two twenty RPI at home, and uh, buddy, that's a ward on your resume. I mean, Ole Miss is playing North Alabama this year. They're playing Palm Bluff this year. So yeah, I mean, you got to be ready to go in the midweek. You can't kill your resume in, in the midweek. What are they eleven and one now? You want to get twenty non-conference? I think they're going to get three this weekend. I think they're going to get two in Monroe. So I think you're looking at a sixteen and one record which leaves you needing to get four uh, the rest of the year in midweek action. But the problem with that is, yeah, you just need four to get to that 20-win plateau or, or benchmark that you probably need. But if you only win four, the odds are you're going to lose to a pretty bad team and tank your RPI. So it might be to a point where Ole Miss probably needs to get 21 or 22 as uh, non-conference wins.
1: I'm not going to go out on a limb and say Ole Miss has found its number one midweek starter in Jackson Kimbrell. But at the very least – that kid has earned himself another start unless you need him on the weekend. I think they would prefer to not pitch him on the weekend because he could be the lead guy for them in the midweek. He looked really good in that role. I liked him there.
2: A little bit adding on to that, I think they like West Burton in relief. I know he projected as a starter coming in here, but I do think the the tall tall pitch plane and, and him throwing 90-91 is, is, can play in relief. I always wondered about James MacArthur. If he could do it, the problem with MacArthur was he didn't throw enough strikes. Uh, Burton seems to have pretty good control. So I think he's going to be a, a pretty valuable option in relief. I think, you know, the fastball gets on people. The curveball's fine. It's not dominant by any stretch of the imagination, but it's fine. So I think they're going to want to use him as as an arm out of the bullpen on the weekend. So I don't think that's going to tie into letting him be the, the midweek guy. And yeah, like you said, Kimbrell was really good. Uh, he's able to throw a lot of pitches over the plate. He gave up one run in three innings, which is fine. He didn't walk a ton. And you're not, you're not asking a ton out of your midweek guy. So I think he kind of fills in perfectly for that role.
1: So what's the evaluation of John Rice
2: Plumley starting in center field? It's kind of like the the line of, like, what are we doing? <laughs> the, I mean, he's not very good right now. I don't understand what's, what's kind of happening with that. You're not going to play him against Florida in May, so get the dude that you're going to play in against Florida in May, at bat.
1: You just want Justin Bench in there by this point.
2: I want the dude in there that's going to play when they roll into the Oxford Regional in June. I want that guy in center field, and that guy's not John Rice, Plumley. So who is that guy? I don't know, but I know, it, I know who it's not.
1: <laughs> All right. Do you know that it's I mean, not I, Jerry on Neely or Cade Sammons?
2: I don't know that, but I, I do know the guy that's consistently late on 87 to 88 is probably not going to be it right now.
1: I give you one of John Rice, Jerion or Cade. That's going to be the guy. Pick the one. I'm not going to tell you who it's going to be, but one of the guys is going to emerge and be the center fielder. Who would you put your money on?
2: Jerry Adley, just because the talent's—I mean, it's there. If you told me at some point he clicked, but he's so late I too. To, I mean, he is, but he, the talent is—I mean, I think think there's a much higher ceiling than with him than the other two. So, but I mean, it's not good right now from a center field perspective. They're they're hiding that a lot, but I do think this weekend, if you're going to do the bench and center field thing. Uh, against LSU, I don't think you can just throw him out there against LSU. I think he probably needs to get a start there this weekend.
1: Yeah, you don't think so. You just wait. Mike Bianco, he'll do what he wants to do. Um, Ole Miss basketball <laughs> hosted Missouri Wednesday night. It was Tyrese senior night. Here's what you need to know about basketball right now. Ole Miss is likely locked in to a first-day appearance in next week's SEC tournament in Nashville. But they are playing for seeding because of results on Wednesday night. The 10 seed is not going to happen. If Ole Miss had lost to Missouri, Ole Miss participates in the 12-13 game on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time on SEC Network. They need to win out, have Missouri and Arkansas each lose twice to get the 10 seed. Arkansas beat LSU, it's over. They could get the 11. Okay. Ole Miss gets the okay. 11, beating Missouri, then going to state and winning, and either Arkansas or Missouri split their two remaining games.
2: You know, if you're Ole Miss, I'm sure if you're Bread Tyree – You'd like to get in the tournament. You, you'd like to beat Mississippi State on Saturday 1st. Then you'd like to beat either Vanderbilt or Georgia. It's going to be one of those two opponents, and you're in the bottom four. And I'm sure if you asked Bree and Tyree, he would like to play Mississippi State again in the tournament because, look, this team's not going to the NCAA tournament. They're not going to the NIT. I don't know. Get to play your rival as much as you can. That seems like fun. And play spoiler for Mississippi State. Ooh, do you think – If Ben Howland loses to Ole Miss on Saturday and then in tournament loses to Ole Miss, that they will make him walk off from Nashville or not?
1: Oh, 100%. There will be a move (laughs) made there. Yes. I, I think it's already gotten to that point for State.
2: The problem with State is, and I don't want to stay too long on them, is basketball is their fourth most popular sport. Men's basketball is their fourth most popular sport on campus, like I don't really know that the support's there right now to make it work. They're recruiting at a good level. Their women's team is outdrawing their men's team by a significant number.
1: I think that the relationship of Ben Howland to Mississippi State, it's eroded to the point where, yeah, they're still in the relationship, and they still say the right things, and they take the pictures for the cameras, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. underneath, they're sleeping in separate beds.
2: I was to say, they're sleeping in separate beds? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. feel that coming. Ben,
2: ben gonna get him a buyout, so it's fine.
1: Ben's going to get a contract reset. I have no idea where Mississippi State will go, but this is not a Mississippi State podcast, and I am not Steve Robertson. So moving on here, some football <laughs> notes. C.J. Johnson coming up in just a second on the Modern Woodman phone line. Some news about spring football practices. It was rumored, we brought it up on this podcast actually about a month ago, but confirmed, as David Johnson wrote on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and the Food of 247 Sports, the website that I write for, spring football practices under Lane Kiffin every single one of them, open, wide open to the media. And every Saturday practice, at least, could be more, but every Saturday practice after the first Saturday practice
2: will be open to fans. I think that's a good idea, though. I mean, it really helps with fan engagement. I think, you know, it gives the media opportunities to you know do different types of things and different types of stories i do wonder what open means like is, are you going to be able to talk to whoever you want or can you just go see practice i do think there's a differentiation we probably need to well, figure wide out wide open
1: but, as in you get to view it and then after practices okay. we're going to get multiple players we were told and lane kiffin maybe every other day Huh.
2: okay coordinators are uh, never sure. going to talk to the media no no ever um you get Lane Kiff and he, he speaks. So, yeah. yeah, I think that'll be fine for fans. Will they Saturday practices, I do, I'm just thinking out loud here. That must all be scrimmages because they're not going to let fans in the IPF.
1: No, no, they're going to so, be yeah. every single time in Vaught Hemingway Stadium. For all miss
2: fans, this is as good as you could
1: have asked for. This is very similar uh, to when Hugh Freeze was hired, and I don't want to bring him up, but it's true. When Hugh Freeze yeah. got hired, he opened it wide open to everybody. Not quite like Lane, because Freeze had fans able to come into practice and just hang out on the sidelines. It was a mess, but this is not that far off. I thought that yeah. there was going to be strict media guidelines under Kiffin, and so far that just has not been the case. And that's been the rumored reputation with Kiffin and the media shutting them out. It's the Nick Saban thing of I'm the one voice of the program for my players, for my coaches. It's me. You don't get to go to practice. It would have been a culture shock, but it's not going to be that way. It's not going to be that way. And I think there are a lot of advantages to that, too. Because Lane Kiffin, he was on this podcast, what, two weeks ago? And you can tell he's an introvert by nature. He's just not going to really be all that engaged. He's um, very quiet. Doesn't really meet the reputation of Lane Kiffin. So this is good. This allows fans and media in and only gets them on your side even more. They're already on your side, but with this... And then, if you win, oh my God, you can run for mayor.
2: <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So I, I think that's really smart my Kiffin. And I don't, you know, there were rumors that practice is going to be locked down and all that. I do wonder if, you know, he, he got in and got a pulse of the fan base and maybe made some decisions based off of that. But, no, yeah, no, that a- not at
1: all. Somebody just said, and I bet you it was Kyle Campbell, uh, uh, Coach, this is what uh, we've usually done. And Kiffin, thinking that Kiffin was like going to jump his throat or something, Lane probably went, okay. And that
2: was it. <laughs> Probably like that, uh, that like middle of uh, signing day press conference they made him do. He was like, whatever, I'll do it.
1: Yeah. Now he steps up there and says, I don't know why we're here. <laughs> yeah, that's how he's going to be. That's who he is. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. CJ Johnson knows all about Lane Kiffin practices. We're going to talk about spring practices, a little bit about the NFL combine, and a story he told once before on this podcast that I wanted him to tell again. Because it's never gonna not be funny to me. So CJ Johnson coming up in just a second on the Modern Woodman phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, leave a five-star review. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Oldman Spirit, Onspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to hear now from Modern Woodman and B and A Bank. And then it's CJ Johnson. This is Talk of Champions.
0: You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America, touching lives, securing futures.
2: The Modern
0: Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in
1: rebel
3: sports.
1: (laughs) Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line, good friend of the program, former Ole Miss linebacker, defensive lineman, it's C.J. Johnson. Hey, buddy. What's up?
3: Oh, nothing much, man. Just trying to stay dry, and I hope I get to feel better. I got a little sore throat this morning. Hopefully it's not the coronavirus. Oh, God, man. You had to go there. (sighs) I'm telling you, man. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just kind of skeptical of all this stuff.
1: Well, I'm glad you came on. The uh, NFL Combine was last week, but for these purposes, you've been kind of my Lane Kiffin expert since Ole Miss hired him. You coached under Kiffin at FAU spring football is going to be wide open to the media, which came as somewhat of a surprise to me. What should Ole Miss fans expect? And the players, for that matter, come spring football.
3: Um, I think the big thing, uh, kind of being kind of similar and familiar with how Coach Blue Grant practice, kind of similar to Coach Freeze um, and working for Coach Kiffin, I think the biggest difference um, that you're going to see is um, the way they practice um, during the spring is they'll try to get the third and fourth string guys a lot of reps. Um, and I know at Ole Miss our third and fourth-string guys may get about 65 to 70 reps a spring, um, and those guys uh, under Coach Kiffin, they're going to get just as many reps as the first-team and second-team guys. So what that's going to do is that's going to you know, help those guys as far as their development um, and learning the scheme um, and getting comfortable and playing in the scheme and just understanding how he wants them to play. They're going to play fast. Um, They're going to practice fast. It's going to be fun. Um, I think it's really going to be a nice change-up for the players.
1: Paul Jackson was actively involved in practices, hyping you guys up. Wilson loves a different animal.
3: Yes, yes. He is uh, very different. Uh, Coach Jackson uh, is just the the polar opposites of each other. Um, I know Wilson is just. He's on go 24 um, 7. I mean, he's always energetic. He's always juiced up. Uh, he has really good good connections and contact with the players. Um, and Coach Jackson was a little bit different um, as far as how he approached, you know, practice and in the weight room. It was more of a, a business mentality. Um, and Coach, Coach Love is going to have that same business mentality, but they're going to have a little bit more fun um, with just the way he goes by himself and the way he do things.
1: What's this deal about the players wearing a brown shirt, gray shirt, whatever it is in the weight room, and having to work out to earn wearing the Ole Miss? Is that something that Wilson brought with him from Alabama, or was it an FAU thing? Where'd that come from?
3: I don't know, man. They, I know we did at FAU. Uh, our guys started out in white t shirts, uh, and then they had to work to get the name on the back of the shirt. Uh then once you got, uh, once you worked to get the name on, I think it was the front or the back. I can't remember, but I think. I think it was the front. Uh, once you get the logo on the front of your shirt, you start to wear it. I mean, it's a, a plain old James Haynes T-shirt that you get from Walmart. Uh, and they got to wear it until, you know, they earned the right to put that logo on and put their name on the back of their shirt uh, to let people know who they are.
1: Did any player never get out of the Haynes shirt?
3: Oh, Most of them did. I don't think we had anybody that didn't. I think most of, most of the guys did. Yeah, because
1: the funny thing is to imagine one of these players, everybody else has got the name on the front, maybe got their name on the back now, and there's that one lonely guy still in that Hanes white T-shirt.
3: Yeah, that would would be pretty bad. Yeah, yeah.
1: You don't want to be that guy. Okay, so on day one, what should Ole Miss football players expect from Lane Kiffin? The first drill, the first meeting, the first conversation, whatever. The first day of spring football will be like what?
3: Uh, It's going to be wild, I think, to them uh, because there's going to be a lot of moving parts. Um, a lot of transition um, because, again, everybody's practicing. There's not three or four guys that or the third and fourth string guys that aren't getting any reps. Everybody's involved. Everybody's moving. Um, like a perfect example, there could be uh, the wide receivers and the defensive backs on one field uh, working, I guess, one-on-ones or route releases or whatever you want to call it. And then they uh, have a quarterback there and then they have another quarterback that's down with the offensive linemen running backs. And the linebackers and some of the safeties are working on fits like run fits um and what's unique about that is it may transition to seven on seven pascal so now i got if i'm the linebackers coach i got my first string linebackers and my third string linebackers with me working inside run and working run fits and then the second string linebackers over there with my ga and they're working on pass drops and uh pascal and things like that and so Guys are constantly rotating. So when the ones come off the field, the threes are going to go on the field for the run fit. The ones got to run all the way over to the other field and wait for the twos to get finished. Then once the twos finish, the ones are going to step up. Then the twos are going to run over to run fits. And it's like a constant circle throughout that whole period. And so I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment for them to start is that getting used to where I need to go, where I need to be, and what am I doing.
1: What's a core tenet for Lane Kiffin as far as if you want to start for him, what do you have to do? Uh
3: the main thing is you're gonna have to practice hard. Uh and you gotta make plays to practice. Um, he always talks about uh first really getting better is showing up. Um and I think with him, that's the big thing is you gotta be on time and you gotta show up to whatever you know he's asking you to do, and I think from there he can he can take over the rest uh and help you become a good football player.
1: Well, one area where you know the most about any football team is the defensive line. You coached it, you played it, and this defensive line for Ole Miss, it's rather thin. Got low numbers, lost a lot, Kadir Shepard, Benito Jones, Josiah Cody. If you're one of those guys like a Chuck Wiley that's been in this system or at least been in this program for a couple of years and you're ready to finally break out, how do you come on? What what makes a good defensive lineman
3: emerge? Um, I think the biggest thing, and I, have, I haven't spent much time watching those guys, but I I specifically remember uh thing called Chuck. Uh, Wiley is name. Um, I specifically remember him because he was kind of coming in as I was coming out, um, and I kind of got to see him kind of walk around the building, um, kind of watch watch this tape just slightly a little bit. Um, I mean, guys can play, uh, and I think when you're a younger guy or when you're an older guy transitioning to that older guy role, sometimes there's a little bit of an adjustment. Uh, when you're playing behind guys that are good as those guys that, that just left, like Benito and those kind of guys, oh, you get to watch those guys play. Um, and once they move on to the next level, it'll give you confidence when that guy gets drafted or that guy signs as a, as a free agent that, hey, I've seen this guy work. I've seen what these guys do on a day-to-day basis. And if that's what I need to do to be successful and make it to that level, then I'm going to do it. And that's a lot of guys that I look to, like, um, you know, Dante Moncrief, uh, Golson, and those guys uh, just changed the mindset of me going into my last year as far as my style of play and what I felt like I needed to do to push myself to get to that level. Um, And so I think the big thing for him is just he got to be able to look at those guys and understand and have a confidence that they can do it and I can do it.
1: You participate in the NFL Combine. You know what that meat market is like. Benito Jones didn't test particularly well. He actually finished near the bottom in most of his drills. Now, strength numbers, Kadir, Benito, even Scotty Phillips, Josiah Cotney, they all tested well. If you don't test well in the NFL Combine, what is the challenge now? So if Benito comes out of it and the numbers weren't great, what's the challenge ahead for him? Is it more likely that he's going to have to impress an Ole Miss pro day? What has he got to do now?
3: Yeah, that's the next big thing is is pro day. Um, and also, uh, after pro day, you're going to get some of those some of those one-on-one workouts uh, where teams are going to call you and they're going to have a couple guys come out and work you out. Um, just kind of give a feel for who you are as a football player. I think that was when um, I tried to increase my stock as much as I could because I knew I wasn't going to be a guy that tested very well. Um, coming off a of knee injury and, and, and rushing myself back to playing. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be a guy that tested well, so I was really focused on trying to do as good as I could as far as my drill work.
1: Can you actually generate momentum at Ole Miss Pro Day? If you don't have a good NFL combine, can you turn it around and start to uh, swing momentum back your way because
3: you have a strong Ole Miss Pro Day? I mean, for sure. I look at a guy like uh, Laquan, um, you know, He uh, was a guy that a lot of people thought he didn't have an impressive showing at the combine um, as he did at the pro day. Um, and so just to see him go through that, I think absolutely you can you can improve uh, going into the pro day and prepare yourself through the draft. But I was a guy, believe it or not, there were a lot of scouts who thought I was going to run five flat or slower. Um, they actually thought I was that slow. And uh, I actually ran a 4A1 uh, coming off of my meniscus missed. I think two games, and I played the last four games or five games or whatever it was. But when I got to California, to train I couldn't even walk. <laughs> uh, and those guys at Exos did a great job uh, at getting me ready to go to combine. I ran a four eight one. Uh, later times, a couple of scouts uh, that actually caught me at four seven hand time. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool for me to be able to to have that experience, knowing that I knew what people were expecting me to do, and I I exceeded that expectation. Uh, as the pro day, so I kind of had a little bit of momentum going into pro day, Uh, and I think I gained a lot of that. Honestly, the reason I think the Patriots gave me an opportunity was because at the pro day, Mm -hmm. Christian Russell was the only linebacker that we had with a senior that was working out at pro day, and so at the combine, I did linebacker drills, and so when we come to the pro day, my agent wanted me to do the defensive line drills, so they did the defensive line drills first, and i was not in shape at all. And I did the B-line drills, and I saw Christian out there by himself. And I was like, man, I don't want him to go through this by himself, and he'd have a bad showing, because he's going to get tired. What they're asking him to do? He's going to get tired. And so I was like, well, I'll just go out there, and I'll do it with him, uh, so that he wouldn't get as tired. And after the workout, uh, Coach Flores, who's the head coach with the Dolphins, he's like, man, you're in pretty good shape. I was like, thank you, coach. (laughs) Like, I'm sucking it up, trying not to breathe hard and all this junk because I'm really, really tired. Uh, And when I walked off, I'm like like, dead tired. Uh, But I honestly think I got that opportunity because I was willing to do that for him, and they knew that I didn't have to. And and there were some some things that I did that that made me look pretty bad, but I didn't care because I wanted to help him.
1: What's the most painstaking part of that process, the combine process? Because – I know having all those eyeballs on you, the world's watching you. Now, now everything's televised. So if you're running your forty, everybody's watching you. Do you feel that kind of stuff?
3: Yeah, I think the biggest one for me was uh, the second day uh, when they asked when you do the medical exams. So there's 32 teams. There's four teams to a room, and there's eight rooms. And so if all 32 teams, are have you on the board, you're gonna have to go in all eight rooms. Well, thankfully. You- for me, I only had to go into two. Um, but I just remember sitting outside, I had my little track suit on, and they called a bunch of us to go in there, and we got in there, they wanted us to strip down to nothing but our, our tights, our, our underwear, so to speak. And so I laid down, on the, actually laid down on the table, uh, literally in nothing but my underwear, and I had two doctors on my my, my right ankle. I had two guys on my left knee, and one guy was booing my head, my neck. Had another guy feeling my fingers and rolling my wrist. And I mean, another guy was, was you know, pushing up on my back, trying to feel stuff on my back. were so basically just examining every part of my body. There's people rub, like pressing on my chest, like feeling on my, you know, my ribs and all that stuff. And that was like, for me, I was like, wow, like this is really like excessive. <laughs> I got, I felt like it was too much.
1: Dehumanizing is what it sounds like.
3: I mean, I understand why they do it because they honestly wanna know everything about you, but I feel like that's the process after the process before that, you go to the hospital, you have all your blood work done, um, you take you know, you you basically get x rays the whole nine. Um, and then after that you go do the the physical exam part and then the talking in the table corner saying, you know, whatever it is what's it, wrong with you and the whole night, and I just remember finishing that part, and I was just like, man, I'm tired. I don't – I really didn't want to – at that point, I really didn't want to be there anymore uh, because you don't You don't get any sleep. Um, you may get two and a half hours of sleep maximum. If you're a healthy guy, you may get five hours of sleep. But if you're a guy that's had injuries, you're going to have to go to the hospital. You're going to have to stay there for a long period of time because they're going to have to constantly run more tests. And test, and then once you finish up at the hospital, you have to go back to the hotel, where you have to go downstairs and constantly do these interviews with you know every team, with position coaches, coordinators, special teams coordinators, um, pretty much everybody but the head coach, the GM, and the owners. And you meet with them in the middle of the day, and then later on at night, you meet with the position coaches the special teams coordinators. And that stuff at night, That that's day two. So you wake up that morning, you have the drug test, which is at 5.30, and they're going to tell everybody to be early. So everybody's going to get down there at 3.30 in the morning, and it's going to be a super, super long line. And then when you finish up, um, you know, you go eat, uh, and then you go to your hotel and talk with, with your team on what you need to do um, that day, who you're going to meet with, or what's, you know what to expect. Um, just the grind honestly um, and then like I said you meet with the coaches the head coaches uh, you get five minutes I think it's three or five minutes um, and you sit that now with the head coach and the uh, the GM and some of the position coaches actually up there depending on who they're interviewing and so the funny part was was I had two teams that I met with the Patriots and the Eagles and so I get that with the Eagles and they have the What's the GM for the Eagles? Uh I can't think of his name right now. I'm off the top of my head. But Doug Pedersen was there, my coach. Chris Wilson, who was the D line coach at the time, was the D line coach at Mississippi State uh when I was coming out of high school. Uh so I said there's a campus sitting in there. Uh, that the the owners in that GM, uh, you know, really important people. And so we're sitting in there talking and I literally spent all my time with them. Uh, talking about uh, getting my Twitter account suspended uh, as a 17-year-old coming out of high school. And uh, the GM for the Eagles looks so at me and he goes, they're going to do a 30-for-30 30 30, uh, on what's going on at OS And I'm like, well, right now it's all speculation. I said, but I don't know. I said, but I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, he kind of looked at me and he laughed. Uh, and they pulled up, like, six of the worst plays I had in my college career Uh was asking me to explain them all. And they basically got to – Chris Wilson basically got to get his rocks off on, on the recruiting process. They asked me about all that, all that crap. But Wasn't he your was, primary recruiter? Yeah, at one point, yeah. Yeah, when everybody left, at one point he was, yeah. Golly, he took
1: it that personally and held that grudge for that long.
3: Yeah, him and Doug Pedersen, the head coach. He was acting all too he's like. I mean, he's like, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, Chris was actually something, and he was double down on like, you sure about that? Like, you like, how do we know you're not, you know, you're not doing this or that? And I'm like, you know, whatever. Did like, you give it yeah. back to him at all? I didn't. I, was, I didn't think about it at the time, but once I walked out of there, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to Philadelphia uh, <laughs> That's a good deal.
1: When's the last time you talked to Chris? Uh, not
3: since uh, no I didn't a lot. <laughs> I talked to him after I worked out on the field uh, the combine uh, and I didn't do I didn't do the L drill or the three cone one of them because uh, my flight was about to leave or whatever anyway it was something crazy <clears throat> like that and um, I get my stuff on I'm walking off and he's like yo uh, you did good man I think you'll have a shot blah blah we'll be in touch and I'm like yeah yeah whatever and uh, I knew it was, it was over.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at your misery, but that's too great. You've told that story before, <laughs> but I didn't know that Doug Peterson and the GM for the Eagles, I didn't know all of those parties were involved. I had no clue. I just
3: thought it was Chris. Yeah, no, he literally asked me, the GM, for the Eagles, literally. So what are they going to do at 30?" Like, they were asking me about, uh, like, those guys getting recruited, uh, the the 13 recruiting class. Uh he's like, well, what are they going to do? You think they'll ever do a 30 for 30 on that? So I just looked at him like, I doubt it. Like, that's, that's what all so hearsay. Like, I don't think <laughs> it's been proven at the time. But it was weird, man. Like, it was really, really, like, I got, like, a weird vibe from those guys.
1: Next year, Lane Kiffin's first season. What should the expectation be for Ole Miss fans?
3: Oh, man. Um, that's a tough one. Because I don't, like, I don't know like I don't know a lot about the team honestly. Like I can't like I I would be lying to you if I told you like like if I could name like six of the starting players returning, I know it's probably bad. But uh, I can't. And so I don't know how much talent they have, but I know he's a really good coach. Uh, and I know he hires some really, really, really good coaches. Uh, and he's got a really good plan and uh they just got to go out there and execute, and if they do, they'll win. Uh, that's that's my that's my expectation for this season. Is don't get too high, but don't get too low. But at the same time, just expect it to be fun. I just have the expectation that when you go to an Ole Miss football game, it's gonna be fun. Like, like I would be lying to you if I said when Ole Miss score a touchdown, he throws Vodger in the stands. At some point, that's probably gonna happen. <laughs> or a clipboard or a pen or a call sheet at the end of the game, something, or raise his hand when the ball snaps because he's signaling touchdown. I mean, just you never, never know. You never know. It's crazy. You never you never know what you're going to get with that guy.
1: He's C.J. Johnson, former Ole Miss linebacker, defensive lineman. My friend, thank you for doing this. I appreciate you. We'll talk again.
3: All right, bro. Thank you. Howdy, timey.
1: That was former Ole Miss defensive lineman, linebacker, C.J. Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett, at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Colin Brister coming back in just a second. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood. And Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Oxford, Mississippi is one of the most beautiful towns in the entire country. And there's no place quite like Oxford in the spring. Maybe you've thought about moving to Oxford, but haven't taken the plunge yet. If you're in the market, you need only look in one place. The Lamar. Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood. And an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up north Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at LamarMS.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. There's nothing quite like Oxford, Mississippi in the spring. Ole Miss baseball is in full swing. Double-decker, spring football practices, the Grove Bowl. You ride around in your car looking at the beautiful people, the flowers. Why not experience that in a new car, truck? How about a Jeep? Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. or stop by and see them in person at twenty two zero one East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Back with me now, Colin Brister. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Before we get out of here, what are you most looking forward to in Ole Miss sports this weekend? It's not just baseball,
2: it can't be. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to baseball at all. The high school I work for is playing for a state championship at the Pavilion on Friday, so but no, I think it's basketball. Look, it's Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I grew up 30 minutes from start. Well, I, you know, I'll never not, you know, watch an Ole Miss, Mississippi State uh, male basketball uh, or, or baseball or football contest. So I always want Ole Miss to beat Mississippi State. So if it's up to me, that, that's certainly the thing I'm looking forward to.
1: The media in this state, when it comes to any Ole Miss, Mississippi State, men's athletics event, major athletics event, always just loses their minds. <laughs> this game on Saturday, <laughs> if you pull back, for Ole Miss means nothing. nothing, but for Mississippi State, yeah, it hurts if you lose to Ole Miss for the NCAA tournament. But this is insane. How many credentials are flying out for Ole Miss Mississippi State on Saturday? <laughs> These programs have got <laughs> to stop judging themselves based on the other program. It's insane. Well, Aspire for I mean, more.
2: I, I get what you're saying, but also, you're Ole Miss. You're currently six and eleven. Look, if you beat Mississippi State two times, I'm not saying your year's successful, but you feel a lot better about about yourself if you sweep the Bulldogs and, and you roll out of SEC play 7-11 rather than splitting with them.
1: I want to talk about some football things before we leave. I okay. mentioned before we talked to C.J. Johnson about spring football practices and the media being allowed into spring football practices and fans, too, for a handful. How about this for fall practices? We're so used to those mid-afternoon practices and you get in your practice report at like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. You better get ready because when you get to work at 8 a.m. that morning... Whatever morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there will be the practice report because they're waking up, crack it on, and they're practicing. They're going to practice at like 5 a.m.? Yeah. Wow. And then they'll be off on Thursday and then do the walkthrough, the full speed walkthrough on Friday. And that comes from a belief from Kiffin based in analytics and proven science of how Olympic athletes work and rest their bodies leading up to competition.
2: I do think it's a way to get kids more rest, though, as funny as that sounds, making them practice at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, because, first of all, uh, the they used to have Fridays off, right? They would do the walkthrough on Thursday. Am I yeah. saying that right? Yeah. So, you know where they went on Thursday nights, Ben? To the bar. Yeah, they went to the library. Because um, I was at the library, and a lot of them were there. So, I don't think there'll be too many at the library on Thursday nights anymore. I do think kids wind up getting more rest. Um, You get them out of the building a little bit earlier, probably. I mean, they probably work out after class. I mean, they're probably back at home, 5 or 6 o'clock. I don't know. I kind of like that. I mean, from a fan's perspective, I certainly like that.
1: I think it's perfect because I've seen the day-to-day for these football players, and I've been doing this for a long time. And there are days when the practices are in mid-afternoon, especially when they've got school to deal with and tutors and the FedEx uh, Center and all that kind of stuff. Putting the practices to start the day and getting them out of the way, it frees them up, not only because of practices being over, but also class and how they structure their classes. Not worrying about if a kid's late to practice on a Thursday because that's the only time he could get his class was for 2.30 and you're starting at 2 or 3. You're getting your workout done too on your own time because Wilson Love's going to be in that weight room all day. It just allows for the student athlete to better structure his time. It used to be kind of a surprise thing that Houston Nutt would do. We're waking up at 5 in the morning. He did that like two or three times. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. All right, Ole Miss baseball this weekend. The three keys this weekend. What are you going to be looking forward to? I know you don't care about the games, but they're going to be played. So,
2: uh, I think Justin Bench needs to see Tom in center field. I do think that needs to happen. Um, I don't think Hayden Dunhurst needs to catch all three games. I think they need to get him a break. And – I don't know. I'd like to see Benji Gilbert have a good weekend because I don't think Jackson Carball is going to be their matchup lefty guy, and I do think they need a lefty guy out of the pen. So I don't know. I'd like to see him have a good weekend, a good outing. I think his stuff's better than his numbers. Um, they need a left-hander out of the pen, man. That's that. That's the thing that you, you don't want to just be righty dominant. So uh, I think you know I, he's something I'd look for this weekend.
1: We talked all about the lineup on Tuesday and poked fun at it, but I will say. The one thing that was truly shocking to me, and it's not because Hayden is doing anything wrong, but Knox LaPasser mm-hmm. needs to play, and why is he not playing against Memphis?
2: I think he did come in uh, on Tuesday night, but yeah, I mean, it was late, and it was pretty meaningless at-bats. So yeah, I think Ole Miss would like to get him some at-bats. I don't think you want Hayden Dunhurst catching every single day. I do think that it, maybe they let him catch because they knew they were going to be able to get Dunhurst out of the lineup one game this weekend, but I don't know. Um, we'll see. I, I don't expect... Don Hurst catch all three this weekend. I'm interested to see how this weekend's handled because I don't think any game's going to be competitive after the fifth inning.
1: I would be interested in seeing what Knox LaPasser could do at another position
2: occasionally. You've got enough problems against left handed pitching right now. I don't feel like That's what I'm saying. I don't think you should count anything out. So
1: what's your biggest concern for Ole Miss Baseball, even though they're eleven and one? What's the thing that worries you?
2: I mean, I've got, I've got two or three. I mean, the, the left-handed – no left-handed options out of the bullpen that you really trust right now because I don't think Kimbrell is a guy that you can bring in really in high leverage situations. I think he plays more as a starter. Uh, Gilbert's not had great outings so far, although I do think his numbers are better than – like I said, uh, his stuff's better than his numbers. I mean, center field defense – not defense. Center field is, is the biggest concern. I mean, you, you, you add up the averages of everybody that started in center field this year and you can't get to 100, so – uh, i'm kidding a little bit but it's it's pretty bad right now so that that's my biggest concern is is who are they going to put in center field because everybody always says oh they don't have to hit it all no, you you can't hit o thirty three 33 and play like you you've got to you've got to at least be able to be productive at the plate and they're just not getting any quality at bats out of center field outside of maybe a jerry on Ely sack fly against east carolina i mean it, it's just bad right now they
1: just left anthony Servidio in center field you can't do that. Of course you can't, but that's what podcasting is for. <laughs> I mean, at some you point, you my... do have to go to Justin Bench in Centerfield. I think we're – you just can't avoid it anymore.
2: I don't know. I can't remember what Sammons is hitting, but, I mean, Ely's below 100, Plumley's at zeros. I mean, like everybody wants to get on Bench's case because he's not been great at the plate, but, like, dude's hitting 250 and got like 700 OPS, and I promise you that's a lot better than the other options.
1: Yeah, I'll take that over what they have gotten. <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
2: Tim um, Elko needs th- to play every day. Yes, yes, they don't. I don't care if it's at first base, left field, right field. Why is he out of the lineup? I I don't I, I don't get
1: that one. It does a disservice to the player too that you said coming in, you needed him to perform, and yet you're okay to sit him when it's time to sit some guys to get some other guys at bats.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially when he can play what three positions on the field: um, right field, left field, third
1: base, and first
2: base. Yeah, but you're never moving Keenan off third base. So. You should. You got three. Well, I don't disagree, but you know, uh, but and he's pretty good. I think he's a plus defender pretty much level.
1: Honestly, yeah. he's the best-looking right fielder they have.
2: <laughs> good arm. Mo- he moves a lot better than uh than you probably would anticipate.
1: Yeah. He looks pretty natural out there in right field. I like him out there.
2: Yeah, I wish they'd play him every day.
1: Here's my totally hottish takes about Ole Miss baseball after a couple of weeks. One, Kevin Graham is nothing more than a
2: platoon bat. He's unplayable against lefties. Okay. Now, here's my question to you about that. I, I agree 100%. But let's just pretend that he starts in, I don't know, first base, DH, left field, doesn't matter. And they go to a lefty in the fourth inning. I mean, you don't take him out over one at bat, though, right? Probably not, no. That's kind of the thing. Like, you may have to sacrifice an at-bat if you're going to start the kid, but I do agree that the left-handed thing's just not happening.
1: He should be the DH, and he and Ben Van Cleve should be the primary DHs, and they should be platooning.
2: But do you not think Van Cleve could play some against right-handed hitters? Right-handed pitchers, I mean?
1: Yes. I'm trying to view this through the lens of Mike Bianco. Of oh, Mike.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what you're going to get, Graham. And, uh, well, I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, Graham might be a better defender at first base, though. So they may put Daker at DH and him at first base.
1: Kevin Graham is worse than Kel Baker at first base. Ooh, I don't know about that one. That's a hot take, but it's true. Hayden Leatherwood should be starting every day in left field. Every day, okay. Tim Elko should be starting every day in right field. And -hmm. Justin Bench should be starting every day in center field.
2: Okay. So what are you doing at first base every day? Because the other three positions, other four positions are pretty solid.
1: Kel Baker. And okay. I'll rotate in a Kevin Graham, Tim Elko. When I need to get a start in for Jerry on whoever in the outfield, move Justin Bench to right field. Okay. Rotate in a Ben Van Cleve at first base. He had
2: not drawn a start in the field. Yeah, I'm not even sure he has a glove. I would like him to start listing positions like uh, Ben Van Cleve as just a hitter. Yeah. That's what he plays. He plays he just he's,
1: He hits. That's all he does. <laughs> but almost baseball, Princeton this weekend. I know nothing about Princeton. Well, see how it goes. I think they'd be kind of bummed if you didn't come out of this weekend. Fourteen and one.
2: I think. Uh, I think Ben Barrett needs to do some homework and figure out if sixteen and one is going to be the best start in all Miss baseball history.
1: I'll get to it. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, don't matter what you say, as long as it's a five star review. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Go to the Old Miss Spirit, OldMspirit.com, and a food of 247 Sports. Back next week. Thanks, bud. Absolutely.